0: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the weekly message for The Table. The Table is a church in Davenport, Iowa, where people are moving from greed toward generosity, from violence toward peacemaking, from isolation toward neighborliness, and from fear toward faith. I'm Pastor Rob Leverage, and it is good to be with you on this beautiful Sunday afternoon. Today, uh, this has been a really big weekend. Uh, yesterday, we celebrated Juneteenth uh, for the first time as a national holiday in this country. That's a big, big deal. Uh, today is Father's Day, all uh, you know. So, happy Father's Day to all those celebrating today. And tomorrow is the summer solstice. So, it's jam-packed this weekend with uh, with really cool stuff. So, I uh, hope everybody's having a fantastic. A fantastic weekend. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, and it is the story of Jesus calming the storm. So let's open our hearts, open our ears, and let's give a good listen. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, Other boats were with him. A great gale arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. But he was in the stern, asleep on a cushion. And they woke him up and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? He woke up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace, be still. Then the wind ceased, and there was dead calm. He said to them, Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great awe, and they said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So the, the gospel reading for today is, you know, it's brief. Um, It's a short telling of Jesus calming a storm at sea. If somebody gave you the details uh, in a nutshell, there might not seem to be much to this story at all. Jesus and the disciples are in a boat. There's a storm. Jesus stills the storm. It's a testament to Jesus' power. Simple, easy. I find that sayings about God's power and sayings about God's love are the parts of the Christian faith, you know, they're simple, they're straightforward, they go great on coffee mugs, they go great on wall art that you buy at Hobby Lobby, you know, the part of the faith that says, God loves you forever, no matter what, and God can do anything. Inspirational messages, good for tchotchkes, and it's true, it is central, it's, it is essential, we got to remember God loves us. God does love us. God is powerful. Don't forget it. Uh, But there are other truths in our faith. And some of the other truths are less palatable. They don't go so well on a (laughs) t-shirt. Truths like, God will definitely, definitely ask you to do things that you don't want to do. Mm Mm-hmm things that will require you to leave comfort and stability behind. God will ask you to engage with people that you would prefer to stay separate from. We'll see in a second all that kind of stuff is in this story as well. And God will not keep fearsome things from happening to you and all around you. What God will do is face fearsome things with you. So the gospel reading for today is actually less simple. It is less of a one-note song about Jesus' awesome power if we zoom out a little bit. And if we consider what's happening all around it, before and after this part of the Gospel story. So our passage that we, that we read is from the second half of chapter four in the Gospel of Mark. And prior to these verses, Jesus has been teaching uh, all day, actually, on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's been telling a variety of parables. And um, well, he's actually been confusing everybody. He's been confounding everybody, including his own disciples. People are having a hard time basically picking up what Jesus is laying down. And this part of the Gospel of Mark is a little bit of a trip to read because Jesus actually appears to be confusing everyone on purpose. Um, he <laughs> to say the least, he is not trying to make it easy for people to understand what he is talking about. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where there's like a leader, and the more the leader talks, the less you understand what's going on. <laughs> Do you feel confident and assured about following a person in that kind of circumstance? <laughs> and so the disciples, you know, they're dealing with that. And at the end of this very long day of, of teaching that people are kind of really struggling to, to comprehend, Jesus then says to the disciples, guys, let's get in the boat, and I want you to take me to the other side of the sea. (laughs) We are in, we are at the very end of a long day, Jesus, and you want us to row across the sea at night. Um... Now, we know from other Bible stories that fishermen did actually go out and work on the water at night. That's not, that part is not unheard of, but they had already been out all day in the heat. Would you want to go run, rowing at that point? I probably wouldn't, but actually, there's a bigger issue. Uh, the bigger issue is that Jesus asked them to take him to the other side of the sea. Okay. So, we got to ask, you know, what's on the other side of the sea um what, what what is it that we are going to now go row over to in the middle of the night and it turns out guys that the other side of the sea <laughs> of the sea the other side of the sea of Galilee from where they are is actually another country um it's referred to with different names in in the in the scriptures Gerasia uh is one way of people Gargasin I, I I don't know how to pronounce these things okay but it's it's a place where the disciples uh would not typically go uh because well the i they don't like this place uh you know we don't really like to deal with the people over there you know we don't get you know, okay fine there's gentiles over there okay that's it's a gentile country and so the disciples don't you know people in you know the jewish communities on their side of the sea of galilee would not typically go over to that side of the sea Okay, now when we read these ancient stories and scriptures, we pick up all these prejudices and and resentments between people, and sometimes they're explicit, sometimes they're implicit. This this story is a little bit more implicit. Maybe it doesn't make much sense to us because we're so far removed from these sort of cultural distinctions, the Jews and the Gentiles and the Samaritans, and we hear about these groups. Um, We hear that in the Bible that the Israelites hated the Ammonites, and it's like, I, you know, okay, um, sure, it, it feels like antiquated, old-timey suspicions that people had back then. We don't really know what is the difference between this group and that group when we read these things today. And maybe we read about these concerns and attitudes and we think that the world is totally different now. <laughs> you know except that come to think of it we still make some pretty arbitrary distinctions don't we between different kinds of people in our day and age and we have some pretty stubborn ideas in our minds about different groups and and attitudes that we hold to about different areas being preferable uh, to other areas different neighborhoods and different communities and different countries being better or worse than others and you know we make pretty significant life decisions where we're gonna live where we're gonna send our kids to school based on these attitudes and judgments so when we see a bible story that some people don't want to go to the other side of the sea because of the kind of people who live over there well I guess it's just a tale as old as time right? So Jesus teaches all day, and he's giving people a bunch of wisdom that folks are struggling to understand, and now that it's getting dark, he wants them to take him out in the boat, and by the way, we're going to go over to the place with the people that you don't like, and you know, can you just picture the disciples at this point, (laughs) like, man, really? (laughs) Do we have to? And then what happens when they get out onto the water in the middle of the sea <laughs> a giant storm comes and now the boat's gonna sink and we're all gonna drown great another detail in this story that i never noticed before is that there were other boats in the storm it, it mentioned specifically um, that there were other boats out there on the water with him, not just the one that Jesus was on. I don't know why I never noticed that before. I've read this story a million times. And I'm not sure what the symbolic meaning of that detail might be, that there were other boats out there. It could be uh, that whatever, the, whatever crisis we're going through, whatever anxiety, whatever fear, whatever struggle, uh, you know, we are not the only ones who have ever been through that um other people are dealing with the same storms that we are Uh, that could be helpful to remember of course the detail that always gets remembered is that jesus is sleeping (laughs) during the storm the boat is taking on water uh there's waves crashing into the sides and he is sleeping um By the way, this is not like a yacht with rooms below and Jesus had retired to his private quarters. No, this was a peasant's fishing boat. Jesus is there getting rained on and splashed on and he's, you know, he's out there in the storm and he's sleeping. It is bonkers for sure. I don't exactly know what... The meaning of that is that Jesus is sleeping in this story. It appears to be an allusion to the story of Jonah, who also falls asleep on a boat in the middle of a storm. Um, so that there, there's a connection between these two stories in that way. But I, I'm not exactly sure what to make of it, but I am fascinated by what the disciples say to Jesus in this moment as they wake him up. They say, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Hmm. They don't just say, "Um, teacher, we are perishing. (laughs) They don't say, teacher, um, could you grab an oar? Uh, No. Um, It's it's an interesting conclusion that they jump to. They say, teacher, do you not care? Mm Mm-hmm. You know, it belies some relationship insecurity, and and this is something that human beings do. When we are in crisis, we want the panic that we feel to be felt by everyone. And, you know, am I right, though? Like, the worst thing ever is if you are losing your mind about something very serious, and somebody that you love doesn't seem to be that bothered by the situation right um you know doesn't that just make you crazy we want our stress to be shared and reflected back to us because it it feels like our experience is being validated in some way if other people are freaking out too right if if somebody that we know is totally relaxed while we are panicking it can actually feel like Maybe they don't care about what's going on, and by extension, they don't care about us. If a loved one is at ease while we are distraught, we may think that we don't matter to them. How can you be sleeping? How can you sleep? You know, don't you even care? But of course, a person can be calm. And they can be at peace, and they can even be resting and still care about what's going on, right? They can be okay and still care about us when we are in crisis. This is a thing. It's true. It's possible. The important thing is that Jesus is in the boat. He's there with the people who are in crisis. They are in the storm together. All the forces of chaos that are coming for the disciples, I mean, they're coming for Jesus too. I don't know if we would prefer it if Jesus was panicking, like if he was losing his mind just like them. Probably not, right? But they are in the same boat, okay? And of course, <laughs> they probably didn't want to be out there to begin with. They didn't want to be going where they were going. And they didn't want to be in the, in the middle of the night. They didn't want to be out there on the water at all, okay? But here they were. They had said yes to a life and a journey with Jesus that would have lots of kinds of experiences. Some of them would be mountaintop experiences, moments of extraordinary joy and beauty and inspiration, right? But also in this journey, also in this life with Jesus, there are times of unimaginable difficulty, experiences of deprivation and uncertainty and rivalry and tragedy, times when they felt like kicking themselves for becoming disciples in the first place. You know, but they did say yes, right? I have said yes. You may have said yes to this, right? And here we are now in the storm, okay? And the fact is that come what may, whether it is a good day or a bad day, whether it's an easy day or a hard day, The thing to remember is that Jesus has not sent his people out into the storm alone. Jesus doesn't send you to the storm alone. He's there in the boat with you. I don't know why he appears to be sleeping sometimes. I mean... You know, there probably have been times when you took a nap while people in your life were panicking or something, you know, and they didn't approve of your choice to rest at that time, right? Um, Maybe at the end of the day, we just accept that sometimes Jesus, you know, appears to be resting at an inopportune time. But friends, he's there. You know, he, he is not hiding from this storm. He's not running from it. And he gets up. And he faces the storm with his people then and now. And he speaks in that moment. He speaks the thing that he embodies. Right? He speaks the thing that he lives. Peace. Okay. I wonder if we could speak and embody the same thing and feel the wind cease, and see the waters settle. Amen.